This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we have a request. If you are really enjoying what we do here on the Internet Marketing Podcast, then if you could, please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app, of course. That would be fab. Um, It really helps us to grow the podcast and ensure we bring you great marketing tips and advice each week. Now, today I'm joined by Chris Byrne, freelance SEO, PPC consultant. Chris, how are you doing? All right, thanks, Andy. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. Let's start off, Chris. Uh, tell us about Chris Byrne and what you do. Well, I, I'm a freelance SEO consultant based in Surrey. I've been uh, my own boss for eight years now and uh, just generally enjoying being a free man of the land. And yeah, that, 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 that's, that's me in a nutshell. I, I'm advising businesses on online marketing and advertising strategies, businesses of all sizes, uh, uh, internationally as well, from time to time. And yeah, it's, it's, it's the longest job I've ever held down. And uh, that's about it, really, in a nutshell. And just for our American listeners, because I know we have a lot of uh, American listeners over there, Surrey is a county in the UK. It's not what we say when we're apologising. <laughs> it's spelt S-U-R-R-E-Y. It's a beautiful county, isn't it? Uh, it, is, it certainly is. I'm originally from the, the other side of the Surrey-Hampshire border, but I moved three miles recently, so I'm uh, I'm going up in the world in, in my old age. We call it leafy Surrey, don't we? It's the, yeah, it's the bit of land just to the just to the left of London. And I think they say I think the or, the origin of the phrase is that it's the most wooded county in the country, hence the amount of leaves. Oh yeah, is that what they call it? Le- le- yeah, yeah. Arguably, the, you know, it, throughout history, people rather than chopping down their own trees, have always been wealthy enough to be able to buy their trees from elsewhere to heat their uh, stately homes. <laughs> well, as much as I'd love to talk about Surrey for the entire podcast, because it is a lovely county, let's talk about um, ad blocking and specifically the the state of ad blocking in 2017 so let's uh, do our inevitable first question Let, let's have a quick definition of kind of what ad blocking is just in case anyone doesn't know which i strongly suspect they 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 do all know but let's tell them anyway so yeah for the purposes of this this discussion we've been talking about ad blocking on the web and ad blocking according to wikipedia is a type of software or less commonly a computer hardware device that can remove or alter advertising content from a, a web page, web, website, or a mobile app. Now, we are seeing a rise in ad blocking right now. Yep. Why is that, Chris? So, according to the Internet Advertising Bureau, the proportion of British adults online currently using ad blocking software is around 22%. And they say that this, the, the research suggests in the UK that it's the, the the demographics of the millennials, young people and the affluent who are particularly using this type of, of, of software. Yeah, I think blocking adverts in general uh, since the rise of, shall we say, the television mm. and, and radio is not necessarily a new thing. I've been reading some of the history of ad blocking in general and... They say that the TV remote control is created in part for the purposes of ad blocking. The, the radio presets in a, in a, in a car's mm. stereo system, that to avoid people 
changing the channel to and uh, disturbing their concentration whilst driving. The, the the radio preset was created in part as a response to that because it was associated with uh, car accidents. And even recently, the uh, invention of the television technology called TiVo, which is the basis for the Virgin Media box yeah. in the UK, the idea that you can record a TV show and start watching it five minutes later and then fast forward through the ads rather than w- w- watch them. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's it, on the web, It's it's been going on since the early 2000s in various forms, but... I think the the more sophisticated type of technology where you're able to block all ads from, say, yahoo.com, serve from yahoo.com, that sort of targeting a, a host name, basically, it, it is a relatively recent thing. I think there's a general consensus that a lot of advertising on the web does cause a bad user experience. Mm. So it is a UX problem. And often the, these types of ads are, are, are what the advertising industry would call bad ads. That, that That's a, a wide catch-all term. And for me, personally speaking, the, the worst ad is the retargeting ad, the ad that will follow you around from year to year. And yeah. after you've purchased a particular product and then you'll see possibly adverts for the same retailer and it is it's creepy it's it, it is the the online equivalent of someone following you around it is essentially an entity following you around <laughs> so yeah i think i think the, the, the these are some of the main reasons why we're seeing an ad in a rise in ad blocking so i'm just wondering what the attitude is to ad blockers i mean i'm thinking specifically like from the big online players um I mean, ad blockers are now available in the iOS store, aren't they? Yep, I think that, that that's a fundamental factor in the recent rise of ad ad blockers. In September 2015, they were allowed on iOS 9, and they and some of the the ones that were launched rose quickly to the top of the iTunes store. Yeah, and I think in for Apple that they're. Uh, quite shall we say open to them now this technology whereas google is a little bit ambivalent like they've said in in 2016 google explicitly banned ad blockers from the play store and that's ex- but that's with the major exception of ad blocking web browsers and plugins i think what they were trying to do there was trying to stop a sort of a system-wide ad blocker something that would be affecting the functionality of the operating system. So it's, yeah. a, it's a bit ambivalent. Research has suggested that ad blockers are significantly affecting Google's revenues to the tune of many billions of, of pounds globally. So, But on the other hand, the reason why they possibly haven't blocked ad blockers completely is that Google's ethos is in terms of their search results is trying to provide the best experience for the user, you know, the most relevant authoritative quality information. So if an ad blocker can, for certain users, enhance the online experience, then I think they've realized that it's something they can't really block uh, unilaterally completely, I should say. Mm. I, I think in the broader picture, there's the, the, the rise of the mobile web and p- 
people are realizing that sometimes they've only got a certain amount of data per month and it is limited. And some research suggests that up to 5% of a smartphone data plan is ads so they can stretch their their allowance a little bit further by using an ad blocker. Mm. Now, there's a technical war going on at the moment uh, between the various sort of main players. Tell us a bit about that, Chris. Many publications online are funded solely by advertising. They don't have a print publication to draw revenue from or any other revenue stream. So online ads are their only revenue source. So, for example, Forbes.com, which is, to the best of my information, still exists as a paper magazine, but it is a a major business news website. Mm. They will block you viewing their their online content if you use an ad blocker. And there's been a response to that by the, uh, should we say, the technical community. It is that technology now exists to bypass the ad blocker. So you've got ad block blockers now. (laughs) So... It, it, it is a sort of an arms race there, and um, we'll have to see how it eventually plays out. And it, it is a bit of a wild west. I, I think there's certain gangster cartel protection racket aspects to some of these technologies. One of the founders of Firefox created a, a, a browser called Brave recently, which replaces online ads with its own advertising. So it, it's... It's a bit murky and, you know, we, we all need to make our own minds up about the, the, the players and their own uh, merits and the like. So it's kind of, it's kind of like we'll, we'll, we'll block the ads as long as you don't mind seeing a few of our ads. Yes. Yeah. And Adblock Plus, which is one of the major Adblock plugins, they have a whitelist, which means that you can pay, as long as your ads fulfill certain criteria, you can be, you can pay to be whitelisted by their by their service so it's even the most popular current ad blocking technologies they've got this protection racket aspect and you you can change the settings of 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 ad block plus i think to block near enough everything but but i think by default you you will you will see the whitelisted advertisers it's 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 quite a complicated and murky business Mm. in in my analysis and i think the way things are moving as of early 2016 asus who are a major computer manufacturer for those that don't know all of their web capable devices will ship with adblock plus not only are shipping now i should say are shipping now with adblock plus the, the browser plugin not only included with the com- company's proprietary browser but switched on by default your new asus mobile device is is blocking ads out straight out of the box as to what level of should we say whitelist what 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 degree of ad blocking that they will be doing by default I, I don't know but it's a selling point it's a selling point now to have a brow- to, to to sell your 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 devices with an ad blocker built in, it's a unique yeah. selling point. Yeah, it's worth noting that there seems to be still holes in these types of technologies. I did a test with the AdBlock Plus Easy List filter, which I think is one of the, sort of the lowest uh, levels of ad blocking that you can choose within that technology. Mm. And it doesn't block Google Shopping 
results, which are all ads. They used to be uh, non-paid listings, but a few years ago, Google switched over to them being all paid listings. And I contacted them and they said, well, why is this the case? They said, it's because if we blocked all the ads on that page, it would just be a blank page. There would be no page. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's, it's worth noting that, you know, you've got, if you are a, a PPC company, you've got to do your testing and do your research because there are ways around certain filters and certain technologies. Mm. This will only apply for people selling products online. So if you're a, a, a plumber advertising your service online, this particular loophole won't help you. But as as I'm sure you're aware, that there's lots of people out there selling you internet selling internet marketing services, but all they'll sell you is Google AdWords. So these people and yeah, just to reiterate, everyone who's advertising online needs to be testing their their ads and their websites with the popular ad blocking technologies. As well as the technical war going on, there's also a legal battleground, you might say, in terms of the technologies and even at the level of mobile phone service providers. Yeah. They last year they tested ad blocking at the network level, which is quite a fundamental thing if it was to become widespread. Yeah, which of course makes sense because that that if you block it at the network level, you're going to save that bandwidth, aren't you? Exactly. There's 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 gains for a lot a lot of people there, not just possibly the consumer. There's there's cost savings at the at the business level as well. Mm. But that has been since ruled illegal by the EU. I think that was just like some sort of EU guidance. But as to that, how as to how. Brexit this week, leaving the EU as to how as to whether the same legal standing would as to whether the same legal view would occur in a post Brexit Britain. Mm. We have to wait and see. I would suspect that the situation would remain the same. Now, the IAB, that's the international, sorry, not the international, the Internet Advertising Bureau um, has come up with some best practices, haven't they? Tell us about these. They've got an acronym called DEAL. D-E-A-L, which is a recommended approach for publishers to connect with ad-blocking consumers. And I think it's pretty reasonable, really. So D stands for detect. So that's detection of ad-blocking in order to initiate a conversation. Mm. So that would be the conversation presumably would be initiated with some sort of pop-up or message to consumers who they can detect using ad-blockers. And you use that pop up to E, explain the value exchange that advertising enables. And A, which again, I think is going to be part of that pop up information is A stands for ask for change behavior in order to maintain an equitable exchange. And that could, the change behavior could be offering payment for ad free access or like The Guardian does on their website, ask people to subscribe or, or, or should we say um, to fund their their work? That's not in relation to ad blocking the Guardian. And L, the 
the final part of the acronym is to lift restrictions or limit access in response to consumer choice. So it's, I think it opens the door for transparency and a meaningful dialogue with visitors using ad blockers. So the, these guidelines then, uh, Chris, are sort of guidelines to the companies putting ads on the internet, aren't they? Yes. The best practices, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, from the sort of um, consumer perspective, you know, the sort of the, the, the person doing the browsing, I mean, people, yeah. I don't know, they, they avoid ads. They, they, they become blind to ads, you know, especially yes. banner ads. Um, yes. They're sometimes invasive. I mean, what are the sort of solutions that are sort of companies are sort of uh, offering to people to sort of get them away from this nightmare of annoying ads? So the, pub, uh, the publisher's level... Yeah, I, I, I think the idea that people can pay for ad-free access is something which is becoming more and more common. Yeah. And there is that. Also, just the, the unilateral, we will block access to your site if you don't, if you don't allow us to display the ads. So I think cityam.com, the uh, free financial tabloid which is distributed in the london area of the uk that i think that to the best of my information they've stuck with that so i think at the consumer level it's us acknowledging that we have to pay for the services rendered in some mm. form so mm. if you uh visit a newspaper website well for cityam.com for example mm. other than clicking on their ads i don't think they have any other income stream because it's a free newspaper the physical newspaper is free yeah as far as i'm aware there's no way of subscribing to physical newspapers literally something you would pick up by a railway station in the london and southeast area i think consumers must realize their part in this value exchange as the, as the yeah. internet advertising bureau would say like for example I try to click on the Outbrain ads on the Guardian site. Have you seen those sort of content marketing ads? Right, yep. You, you, so they've got a partnership with Google ads nowadays, so try not to click on the, the, the ones which are, are, are Google ads within Outbrain. Mm. So I try to every day click on a couple of those ads, and I, I try to buy the newspaper once or twice a week as well. Mm. So, yeah, I think we, we, we've got to realise the value of journalism in a in a free society and contribute something towards it in whatever way that is it's a tricky one though isn't it chris because we all kind of i think we all sort of um kind of expect the internet to be a completely free space and i think it's easy to forget isn't it that a lot of people using the internet to uh give out useful information or up-to-date information are actually businesses and they need to make money somehow do you think that's easy to forget do you think we should be more uh i'm trying to think of a good word here do you think we should be more tolerant of of, of ads it's, it's it's a difficult one like i i don't like ads i don't like sort of the the autoplay video ads you seem, seem to find on local news sites i think there is a mentality from certain publishers you know as they are getting sucked into the quicksand of declining revenues that We'd rather put a really annoying ad and pop-ups on this page and get one one penny revenue from that a day than not have that bad user experience and get zero pennies revenue from that page a day. So, the, you know, fundamentally, the Internet was designed for 
sharing information and I think possibly with the prevalence of online piracy and which is being facilitated also by companies like Google through their YouTube platform yeah I, I think alongside the pirate mindset we've got that everything is free on the internet mindset and to be quite honest with you I, I've got a bit of that as well yeah. But when it comes particularly down to journalism and a free press, I think we've got to realise the value of those ads which fund that. I'm not, I'm not here doing a party political podcast for for, for, for the pirate party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think, you know, we've got a lot to lose by not funding quality journalism and uh, here endeth the lecture. <laughs> we talked about quite a few different things uh, in this episode. What would be your um, want of takeaway for our listeners today? I suppose from a perspective of, you know, running a, you know, a, a, a business which relies on the internet to promote itself. What would your one takeaway be? I, I've got a suspicion that I might know what it's going to be actually, because you've already mentioned it. I think understanding these technologies and how they work, you know, the different levels of ad blocking that you might be able to switch on and off within an in-browser ad blocker like Adblock Plus, I think that is the first step. And then you've got to test your own sites with the major ad blockers such mm -hmm. as Adblock Plus or Ghostery. Like, for example, I've got a client who have their own ads for their clients on their website and the the images for those ads were store, stored in a folder on their website called ads. And they were also storing other, shall we say, non-advertisement illustrative images in the same folder. Mm. So surprisingly enough, I tested it with a couple of ad blockers and those illustrative images were blocked by the ad blocker, even though they weren't ads. But yeah. the artificial intelligence of the ad blocker saw these images in a folder called ads and uh, put two and two together. So, yeah, I think that's it in a nutshell. And just to reiterate, to, to always be mindful of the value of, of journalism in a free society and to try and try and contribute in some way to, towards it, whether by clicking on ads on your favourite newspaper website, if you're not going to buy the newspaper on a semi-regular basis. I think, you know, it's... It, we cannot think of these things from just a, say, should we say, a business owner, SEO agency perspective, but we've also got to think of these things as as, as citizens. Mm. Well, Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you? Well, my website is www.seolondonsurrey.co.uk, and if you want to follow my pearls of wisdom on Twitter, it's SEO tips and tricks, and that's the the letter n rather than the word and seo tips and tricks tips and tricks that's it thanks <laughs> well thank you chris and thank you for our audience for listening the show notes are in the usual place sitevisibility.com slash i am podcast um if you want to connect with me personally i'm dr pod d-o-c-t-o-r-p-o-d on twitter and linkedin uh there is a site visibility group on linkedin if you want to join in the conversation if you want to email us or send us some sort of textual message podcast at sitevisibility.com you can tweet us at site visibility 
I think that's everything. That's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Chris. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. <laughs>